ladies and gentlemen, Greg Cruz. the smartest man in the world, Proofcast, takes to the ether here from the salubrious confines of Vancouver's most awesome bar on Granville Street, close to a Harvey's and a Timmy's. Ladies and gentlemen, we're live at the Fan Club in Vancouver. And if you've ever dreamed what a purple paradise could be like that's covered with vines and that's soaked by the rain and it's surrounded by astounding mountains and billowing fucking gray clouds at all times and then shafts of sun coming down on the giant bridge and those weird buildings that all look the same when you cross that bridge on the way in from the airport that doesn't have any fucking freeway. You just drive on roads forever and ever near grandma's house and weird markets and churches and shit. One of the churches today said uh, uh, the cross is where faith and mercy met. And it's like, mm. There's no place less merciful than a cross, really. You're being nailed into it upside down and then hoisted up. It's really not a place where mercy met anything other than fucking scoffing Romans who played fucking dice. Uh, and it's such a beautiful, overwhelming place here in Vancouver. And more than the atmosphere, or more than the unbelievable food, or more than the incandescent uh, nightlife here, is the fact that everyone here has been so solid and beautiful from the very moment I walked out of my hotel room. I can't describe to you the kind of... Gen Whatever job you have, my job is better than your job because... Uh, I, I, people gave me so many things tonight. This is just shocking. Um, but I, let me just... Get up in I had to write them down uh, because some of the gifts included marijuana. Um, first of all, for everyone who came through, hooray for you. Hooray for you. Fucking... Je t'aime, j'adore. Uh, if we were in um, French Canada, I'd say tabernacle. How generous, how very fucking generous of you all. And I know that because we're in BC, you don't get a, a, a joint. Uh, you get a joint in, like, say, I don't know, North Dakota. You're going to be like, huh. Uh, where did this come from, I wonder? Are the Black Hills still growing the way they used to be? I just picked North Dakota. I was trying to think of a barren area. Okay, let's even go more barren. Say you're in the Sufi desert for no reason at all, other than you're on a vision quest and you heard the song Kashmir by Led Zeppelin and you were motivated. And the next thing you knew, you found yourself on a discount flight there and all of a sudden, the sun beat down upon my face. Right? And someone hands you a sprung. You're going to go like, wow, this is going to be deep. And I know when I come to BC that there's no longer men engineering the tetrahydrocannabinol content of the marijuana that is cultivated here in this green and fertile series of islands. But rather, there's a head lying in a jar with purple follicles coming off of it. Send more to sector five. Quadrant nine is deficient. While Nickelback plays backwards. Yeah. It's getting real in the Whole Foods parking lot. Um, a lovely lady gave me a bag of tiny glass squirrels. And, which is the name of my next album. 
No longer is it, thank you, my precious love. Thank you, cheers. It's no longer man bag beer. It's tiny squirrel bag beer from now on. <laughs> when you're roaming through the woods and your sack's just not big enough, reach for a tiny squirrel bag. <laughs> They're made of glass, so be tender with my love. <laughs> you know how easy it is to break it. Uh, thank you for those tiny squirrels. They're exquisite. And uh, I received... Uh, some chocolate that was made by the First Nations, apparently. That's a, a beautiful box. And thank you for that. She goes, I'm not giving you dope. I'm giving you chocolate. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the circle of life, right? Right? Because, you know, it's all connected to one another. If you don't have the dope, you don't want the chocolate as much. And if you have the chocolate, you're like, I wish I had some weed because... <laughs> Then I could watch this whole BC Lions game all the way to the third quarter. <laughs> it's only 17-4. They're coming back. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Thank you for that. And then uh, let's see. What else do we got? A wooden bird pecker. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't put that the way I meant to. Um, it's not a woodpecker, and it's not a wooden bird's pecker. It's a... It's a it's a small wooden box that when you push the button, the bird on the other side goes down like that and the drawer opens up and you could theoretically uh, put a rolled substance that in the shape of a cigarette in there. And then the bird takes it out and it has it in its mouth. Uh, exactly. Fucking A. All that was missing was a fairy that went, oh, the gift of flame. That's all that was missing from that present. That was how complete that was. And I received a baseball book from my friend Ken who's going to Alaska uh, tomorrow for a week. Evidently, British Columbia is still the jumping off point for the gold rush. <laughs> I didn't know people took boats from Alaska from here still, but that's awesome. If you meet a giant St. Bernard dog that seems tame, but then no one's ever read Call of the Wild. I'm the only person. <laughs> wow. Uh, be kind to that dog because he's been beaten by his masters and, and kidnapped from his ranch in Santa Clara. Let me, I don't want to spoil the end of the book for anyone. It's not like Old Yeller. He wins. And he gave me Baseball Stars of 1967, which is an amazing uh, year in baseball. Uh, Juan Marichal, Sandy Koufax, and uh, Sandy Koufax had just retired. I also met a lady on the street. You've probably met her, too, as you've walked up and down Granville. She is a woman with white hair in a bucket who gives out condoms to everyone. She said, would I like to make a donation? And I was like, honey, I don't have time. You know what I'm saying? And then I was like, oh, I see what you mean. First of all, there's only four, so I can barely get in it. Um, oh, yeah, I do dick jokes. So I gave her a couple clams, or what do they call them? I gave her a sonk loons. And then I received this lovely, uh, lovely pair of underwear. Uh, I don't know. Do you make these underwear? She does. It's Una Clothing. And I, are you Una? No. Who, who is Una? You know what? That's the question of the ages. A lot of people think, what's the meaning of life, or what is love, or why are we here, or something like that. But I think, who's Una? <laughs> Who is Una? Is she that girl that lives in that fjord up in, uh, in Finland, and then the Sami come down from the hills, and they trade her pemmican and pelts and whatnot? And a couple of weeks ago, she led a raid against a Russian vessel that just turned horribly wrong when it turned out they didn't have any nuclear stuff on board, and she was transporting caribou over fucking international boundaries. Is it her? Or is it that tall girl that plays for the fucking Czech, uh, you know, volleyball team, you know? Number 16, she's in the back. No? Well, I'll ask again. 
I mean, I hope there's an answer to this. <laughs> Who is Una? <laughs> no, we're not talking anymore? <laughs> Remember before when we were talking? Canadians are shy. You're the New, you're the New Zealanders of the North Pole. Because <laughs> New Zealanders are the Canadians of the South Pacific. This is the only country, and we've done Who's Line, uh, or Who's Live, or whatever, uh, a million times around Canada, all up and down and every which way, all over, even, even Regina and Saskatoon, and, you know, this year I think we're playing Medicine Hat. Where are we playing? We're playing Medicine Hat and Lethbridge and uh, Hamilton. Hamilton on my fucking birthday, you guys. Thank you. You know, I barely remember the War of 1812. I was so little. It was in black and white. That much I remember. London, Ontario, Niagara, and then uh, Anal Cortez down in Washington, just over the border and shit like that. And this is the only country I've ever played improv in where we brought someone out of the audience to sing a song to them and went, uh, what's your name? And they went, and then what do you do for a living? And it was like, okay, go back into the audience and we'll get someone else. <laughs> you can't be mean to them because they're having a cow. They're literally having a cow. But you think, fuck, why didn't I see it in your eyes when I pulled you onto the stage? It, that your eyes were shouting, no, no, and no means no. This isn't a BC university. There's no chant to make this better. Anyway, thank you, woman who's not Una. Oh, now we're talking. Fuck you. I gave you your chance. You're not talking now. I don't care who Una is anymore. Una was working the corner about three blocks over is who Una was. Oh, it all went horribly wrong. All that goodwill. No. Thank you for the underwear. They're called Una clothing. And um, uh, it's got a unicorn on it. And I think that's why you gave it to me for the significance of that. Those of you who've listened to the show will know that Jeff Davis is a frequent guest on the show in stories. You may remember him from the DC taxi story or the don't fight me story where he manhandled and violated me in a bus. And we travel in a bus together. Sometimes Jeff will end up in my bunk on top of me and just go, don't fight me. And I'm like, okay, thank you for making this tour extra special. Uh, and anyway, uh, he does a show called Harmontown with Dan Harmon, the genius. And uh, Dan's the mayor and Jeff's the comptroller. And every once in a while I come on and I play a character named uh, Tylenol with Codeine. And I'm a, I'm a very beautiful, pretty, prancing unicorn with flowing hair and flashing eyes. And I know, I really am. And uh, that's why I did the character, because it's uh, typecasting. Uh, and like that. We should start the show, really. We already did, you guys. Um, I've been here so many times. So I'm coming in today uh, uh, through the airport. And your airport's so great, because no other airport goes to the extra, extra spectacular level of including a fake river scene with canoes and totem poles <laughs> and, and fake wooden crabs that are standing like this. You half expect to see a real crab or a loon or something come at you and shit. There's wooden emblems of every single totemic animal from this uh, area of the great Northwest. And there's rushing water everywhere, right, which is very good luck to walk over water. And then there's fake bird and animal noises, which makes this the best airport in the world to arrive high at yeah. oh yeah that's the airport you guys then you get to customs and I like Canadian customs because they're never really hard ass they're just nice but they'll go like what's the purpose of your visity and then you're like uh, whatever and they're like okay go cool. have a good day and you're like oh 
I thought you were going to come down on me like a ton of fucking bricks, but you let me go. Uh, like the fucking goalie for the Canucks. And anyway, <laughs> what happened was, no, it's just preseason. It's just preseason. Get off my deck. Uh, so I get to customs today, and it was a very nice uh, woman officer, and she said, uh, uh, um, uh, what, what did she say? What's the, what's the purpose of your visit? And I went, uh, she goes, oh, is it business or, or pleasure? And I went, business. She goes, what business are you in? I said, I'm a comedian. And she said, well, what's that? And I thought, wow, this is the most metaphysical customs I've ever been through. I've never, I don't presume that you know who I am, but certainly the craft of comedy has passed within the sphere of your consciousness. That saying you're a comedian isn't the most outlandish thing that anyone ever said. I didn't say I balanced knives on the end of my nose. I didn't say it was a steeplejack or a sand hog. I didn't say that I was a, an alchemist. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? I'm a mercurial diva and I shan't answer that question. Snay, uh, I said, I'm a comedian. And I was like, w-, and she went, well, what's that mean? And I went, well, I, I tell jokes. <laughs> and she went, oh, I thought you said you were a Canadian. <laughs> I mean, I love it. What Canadian goes through the American customs line and goes through the, the fucking hands them paperwork and shit that has comedy things on it? And then, oh, you were just lying. Like, really? People come to the U.S., the, the, the international window and say, oh, I'm a Canadian. That's my line of work. <laughs> Mostly it's my vocation. Uh, I bring uh, maple syrup to different places and uh, I, uh, I play people different Tom Green album cuts when I get a chance and whatnot. Is it a gig? I thought it was a place. Uh, evidently, it's both. It happened to me once before in Calgary, uh, or Calgary, Edmonton, I think. I came into one place, and the guy goes, uh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a comedian. And he goes, that's not funny. And I was like, <laughs> well, I wasn't actually on duty just then, but, uh... <laughs> and he goes, I go, no, a comedian. And he went, oh, I thought you said Canadian. Wait here. Fucks off, comes back, charging me $150 to come into the country. I paid a cover charge for fucking him off. And he had that weird Canadian hairdo that the women of Canada will know oh so well. Where a guy's kind of thin on top, but he spikes it anyway all around. Like, yeah, like he's a triple-A baseball player, you know what I'm saying? That kind of spiky hair and the gold chain look, that's what that dude was rocking that night. So I stood as quiet as a fucking glass squirrel in the corner, just like... Don't talk back and nothing bad will happen, is my theory. Not with the dude with the spiky hair who hates fucking comedians. And then hates you more when you're not a comedian, when you're a Canadian. And then when you're not a Canadian, fucking thinks you lied to him. Uh, So I was here one time uh, several years ago. Many of you will remember this who are over the age of 12. And it was, uh, and by the way, if you're over the age of 12, thank you for listening to the show out there in Proofcast land. This is an awesome time if you are. If you are listening to, uh, to build a, a small fort out of boxes and, uh, and defend yourself from the high ground while this is going on. Because if there's one podcast that takes the high ground, I think it's this show. And what you want to do is uh, aim up some different tinker toys and whatnot out the parapet and fucking keep people at bay. And if anyone comes near you, just go like that. And, uh, 
if you're, uh, if you're looking after children, this is an awesome time to let them work it out on their own. <laughs> you're not going to be there forever, and the world is scary. It's about time they fucking got a job, don't you think? <laughs> Why so harsh on kids, Greg? I'm not. I adore children. They just can't pay to see my show. I'm joking. God damn you guys. Fucking all right. Uh, I, was, I was talking to a young comedian before the show, and his name is Mr. Peaver, and he said, my, he just came up by way of introduction and went, my name's Peaver. And I'm like, yeah, we could form a law firm. And if we got Albert Pujols to be one of the attorneys, we would have the funniest name for a law firm of all time. Peaver, Pujols, and Proops. Peaver, Pujols, and Proops, can I help you? No, I think I called the wrong number. I, I don't... I don't I don't want what's coming out. I don't want what you're doing. So I was here several years ago, and it was at the end of a long tour. We went all across Canada. It was one of those Just for Laughs tours, right? And they started all the way on the East Coast. They started in, like, you know, Nova Scotia or whatever, or Prince Edward Island or whatever, a new fee. I think they, and I picked them up in Montreal. They'd done about four or five dates. So no one talked to me for the first three days. And, uh, yeah, I was hosting. And it was a lot of great comedians. It was uh, uh, Tim Nutt from right here in British Columbia. The amazing Tim Nutt and uh, uh, Joey, Eli- Joey Elias from Montreal, uh, Jim David from New York, uh, John Caparulo, uh, who's a, a lovable lug, and uh, did I miss anyone? Tommy Tiernan, the Irish comic, was on. And uh, it was a lovely show. We went all across Canada. So after a while, they started speaking to me. And um, we played the Prairie in the winter, which is just the funnest bus drive you'll ever take. <laughs> after 16 hours, you're like, we slightly veered to the left. Woo! There's five million pictures that look the same. Like they're all from a fucking post-apocalyptic novel or whatever. Where are you? People look and I'm... I'm Saskatchewan. When it's covered with stuff other than potash. And uh, we got to... We get all the way to here. And we was in uh, Victoria. And then the last night was... Oh, no. The last night was Victoria, which is what... So the, we're in Vancouver. And we get in. And... Um, it was the beaver fever epidemic, which was to explain to the people listening in Luxembourg and all over the world that uh, there's a reservoir outside of town that feeds a good deal of the water uh, that people drink and take showers in here in Vancouver. And um, uh, evidently, the effluvium, how do I put this delicately? The, the malodorous effluvium that emanates from beavers in the natural course of their day had accumulated in the reservoir to the point where it was contaminating the water uh, and people were having, Starbucks were having to buy like bottles of water to make coffee with and stuff. So I get to Vancouver and we're like, really? And we were staying at a really nice hotel. I can't remember the name of the name. It was kind of deco and stuff. And when you checked in, they went like, here's this to brush your teeth and <laughs> handed you a bottle of water like you were in Sarajevo in 1996 or something. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking wild, right? It was like, it, you know, welcome to Snack Chinastan. We have nothing here. So I'm like, can we take a shower? Can we use the shower? They're like, oh, yeah, you can shower. Just don't let it get in any of your orifices or on your skin. <laughs> Hell, you can take a bath if you want. Just don't get in the bath. <laughs> and I turn on the shower. And if I could describe to you the color of the water, let's just say it was vibrant with life. Or what had been alive and had gone through several different kinds of weird glandular systems to re- I thought this would be a lot funnier than it's turning out to be. 
Thank you, and thank you for pointing. Cheers. Uh, I didn't realize you guys were going to take it so seriously, but then I guess I should have figured after the Una incident that tonight was going to be a night of incalculable and unfathomable fucking guesses as to which way this wind was going to fucking blow as each riff landed, some scudding along the top of the water, others fucking circling gently like a patrol, others landing with a giant thud in a fucking ditch next to the side of the road to be kicked away like the flotsam that they are as this crowd judgmentally sits with their arms crossed having once loved me and giving me gifts and now having turned on me simply because I came here during a time when your water was contaminated and I took a shower in yellow brownish water, okay? I took a shower in it. Yeah, I fucking did. And I played the doors. This is the end, my only friend, the end. Yeah, and I was like, Vancouver, shit. I'm still only in Vancouver. There's yellowish brown water coming out of the pipes. After I took the shower, let me put it this way. I felt like maybe taking a shower wasn't the thing I could do that was the most effective in getting clean. Maybe running outside real fast would have been a more effective way. But the water's fine now. I, uh, I have slight regrets in my life. Two, um, one, I turned down this weird game show in like 2001. And two, that I started the Beaver Fever story a while ago. So I did a gig here, and uh, it was a corporate gig, and then at the end of it, we're like having a drink and shit, and I'm hanging out with Ryan and my friend Mitchell, who's here tonight, and uh, we, uh, we are about the hotel, right, and, and then they fuck off, and then like, I, I have to go get my plane, so I get on the plane, but there's a huge fuck up, and there's snow or some bullshit, so we're stuck at the Vancouver airport, and there's no decision, I'm going to Los Angeles, these two guys I meet, I, who are total nefarious fucking LA types, and I should have known, because one of them was wearing an Aloha shirt, now I'm not putting down... Anyone who's wearing an Aloha shirt tonight, I'm not saying that you deal Coke. I'm just saying <laughs> that you would if you were given half a chance. I, my feeling is if you're going to wear the shirt, it's on your mind. <laughs> really? On Granville Street? This is the kind of shit? Okay. <laughs> Don't make me broadcast from Kelowna, from a vineyard, okay? <laughs> Don't fucking do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Someone went, sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. So I roll in with these two guys, and they're like, fuck, this is getting boring. They're not going to tell us what's happening for hours. Let's go to the duty free. So we went to the duty free, and they bought a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue, which is like $200 or something. And I went to the fucking concession stand and ordered some, like, fruit drinks or whatever and got cups with ice. And I came back, and we fucking, in his knapsack, opened up the bottle of Johnny Walker Blue and started pouring cockers. So we're having festive cockers, right? And finally, they're calling the flight, and a woman comes over who's in charge of the ground at the fucking airline, right, like on Air Canada comes over and goes, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what? Because we were mad and we went, nothing. And she was like, I could have you fucking arrested. And we were like, I was like, I don't even hardly, hang on. I don't even hardly know these guys. I just met them. You think I'd hang out with a guy with a douchebag hat and an aloha shirt? She confiscated the bottle, and we laughed like we were in seventh fucking grade. <laughs> I've never felt so immature in my entire fucking life. I knew it was illegal, but every fucking bar was closed in the terminal, and we were like, it's fucking 1 a.m. Then, flight canceled. Go down to the baggage claim and get your bag. Good night. And so, 
I go downstairs and like my bag is the only bag on the fucking. <laughs> so I get it and there's a thank God there's a, 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 a what is it a Fairmont? There's a there that was what was there then. It was a Fairmont at the airport, which was only two or three hundred dollars. It was nice. <laughs> and I'm like, do you have medical marijuana or booze? And they're like, no, go to bed. <laughs> Get to my room. Hello, I'm Peter Mansbridge. <laughs> Tonight, Stephen Harper declared that bad things are bad. <laughs> Unless they're awful, in which case, sorry. <laughs> We're in Kamloops another time. This isn't even my story. This is a Jeff Davis story. Yet again, Jeff Davis appears in the show. We drove into town. What's the name of that fucking shit kicker bar? The Brass Ass or something? What's it called? The Brass Rail. Okay, so we drive in in the bus, right? And it's a hot-ass summer day. We were there in the summer for some reason. We drive into Kamloops, right? We've come from Kelowna. Well, there's always a fucking little summer fest on, and they have donuts outside that drive you mad. There's nothing like donuts, right? I mean, like when you're... you're there, it's the little cinnamon ones that are like the little donut holes, and they put them in the bag, and they shake them and shit like that. And it, it's like, why don't I just cook heroin outside the fucking dressing room? Because I was like, oh, 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 oh. You know, finally, I'm, I'm going to go outside, man. I'm going to go outside and, you know, I'm going to catch some toast. I come back in with a fucking bag of donuts. And Ryan uh, Stiles has always been, well, amazingly funny. But Ryan's quite thin. And he watches what he, uh, what, what he, he, watches what he eats. Is that how you say it? Uh, I, on the other hand, I'm like a fucking javelina let loose at a buffet. I'm just horrible. It's really bad. I'm a warthog in a, in a fruit market. I'm a cowboy <laughs> on a steel pig I ride and I'll waste the buffet dead or alive so's we pulls into uh, I, you know I'll give I come in with the donuts and fucking Chip eats like 18 of them right Jeff eats like 7 Ryan has one and goes oh those are good and I'm like <laughs> You can't eat one donut hole out of a bag. All right. They are good. Two fucking donuts. That's restraint, ladies and gentlemen. That is restraint. Cheers. And I, didn't, I couldn't even be bothered to pick them up and clank them. I actually clanked them on the table like the fucking sloth that I am. Yes, I said sloth because we're in Canada and you say Zed and mum. Uh, and so we're, we drive us into Camlips, right, uh, after the Kelowna incident, as it's hitherto known in the group. And uh, there's, we seize the brass rail. And Jeff Davis, is, he's, he's hitched now, but he used to be something of a, 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 a you know, night crawler. And um, not that the goal was always chercher la femme, simply seeking libations and salubrious company and commodious surroundings and like that. So, uh, yeah, until the cock cries Jack Crockinon. Uh, and so... He, every night he would come back after wherever we were in whatever little town we'd be in fucking Lethbridge and he'd come back and go, I found the coolest, bar, uh, coolest bar last night. It was, it was called, the, it was Snicky Snack Night at Chippers. And you're like, what's Snicky Snack Night? It was all glam. Um, he was amazing at finding it. He had like bar radar, right? 
And so he gets to Kamloops and he goes, ah, oh, the brass rail. I'm going to fucking go there after the show. And I said, Jeff, I rarely, if ever, give you advice. But in this case, I feel that as your father, I must give you advice. <laughs> Since the time you were on top of me and I didn't fight you, I'd like some reciprocity. <laughs> Turn about is fair play. Turn the other cheek, as Jesus said. And I said, for your own safety, I advise you not to go to the brass rail tonight. Because we are no longer in Kelowna, where if you order a fucking out-of-Canada wine, people look at you sideways, but then it's cool later. We are in Kamloops, where if you fuck with anybody, they're going to stomp you. Like the fucking weasel you are. And he goes, no, man, they're not going to fucking stomp me. So he goes after the show, and he's like, you want to go to the brass rail? And I'm like, under no circumstances. Do I want to go to the brass rail? I'm going to drink at the hotel, wherever we were staying. The, 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 the lethal grip, or whatever it's called. And yeah, an obvious series of mistakes um, was the name of the bar. And a regrettable incident in the aborning. Uh, so he goes, and he comes back, and we're like, what happened? And he goes, mm. first of all, they had a giant barrel at the door to stow your knuckle dusters and fucking homemade shivs, and it was full to the top with fucking screwdrivers that had been blunted off and fucking handmade fucking shit out of wire and whatnot. And I was like, that's a good sign. And uh, he says, he sashays into the bar and it's last call. And Jeff Davis is tall and good looking and has, in those days, a haircut sort of Liza Minnelli meets Ringo. Kind of an awesome, really sexy, you know. And he's wearing like a New York Dolls t-shirt and like skinny jeans and shit. And he walks into a place where if you're not wearing a fucking gimme cap, um, there's a penis inside you. <laughs> if, if you don't have a Canucks doll at home that you hump during the game, <laughs> you are the biggest sissy that ever fucking walked the face of the fucking earth, right? This place is fucking shit kicky. And... The girls start to notice Jeff's walked in because he's the first fresh fish they've had in fucking 28 months. <laughs> and Jeff's at the bar, you know, hey. And girls are like, hey, who just fucking walked in that's six foot four and unlike my boyfriend doesn't weigh 385 pounds? <laughs> and the dudes get restless. And this takes about a minute till the bartender goes, friend. And he's like, what? And he goes, you should go. <laughs> so cut to Jeff, follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow, <laughs> just skipping down the streets of Kamloops and shit. I thought that would be funny too, but never mind. <laughs> he skedaddled out of there. Uh, I came to a festival here a couple of years ago. Uh, it was the Vancouver Comedy Festival. I think they still have it. They must still have it. And it was a really fun time. Uh, Maria Bamford was here. She was a genius and shit. And uh, she, she remains a genius. Uh, but um, it, it, I was excited to come to Vancouver for a festival because, you know, they have festivals in every kind of place. Like there's one in Bridgetown in Oregon. And there's one in, the, you know, Montreal. There used to be one in Aspen. That was really douchey. That was the douchiest of all the... It was super show busy, so no one could be bothered. Like, people would go skiing all day, and you'd be like, my show's at 11, and they're like, I'm tired. You're like, no, that's not what a comedy festival is. A comedy festival means you go to see a fucking show at 1.30 in the morning, you know, that's about some guy called Shit My Parents Beat Me With, or whatever, you know. 
And they just stand up there and list stuff off. A Fisher-Price rake, a fucking bolt, light bulb, you know. A, ba- a bag of quarters, you know. So, right. Thank you. Thank you for volunteering what your parents beat you with. I appreciate that. A girl just yelled out, was it a spark plug? Is that what you said? Can anyone? Oh, a fly swatter. Your parents beat you with a fly swatter? For reals? My mother hit me with a fly swatter. You know what my mother would do that was worse than any, than any fucking kind of beating? Occasionally, if, she, if I was really acting like a fucking asshole, she would flick her finger in my head. Bam! Like that. You ever get that one? Just boom! Ah! That fucking hurts worse than anything because of the indignity. I'd have to rearrange my little small suit and whatnot. And, you know. Mother, I've nearly spilled my Captain Crunch. I must insist that you refrain from that. Don't you use the word refrain with me. So I come to the festival, and I was excited to come here, as I say, because I knew it would be fun. I get in the van, and they have someone pick you up in a van, right? And the guy goes, uh, are you interested in uh, getting any uh, BC Bud while you're here? And I said, well, this is sudden. I, I've been in Vancouver for approximately 38 minutes because I had to go through customs. That was the only thing keeping me from it. And I said, well, if this was going to happen, when would it happen? And he goes, reach in back. Th- there's a knapsack back there. And I was like, this is, I go, you ferry, let me get this straight. You ferry all the comedians in from the airport and that's your job, right? And he goes, oh, yes. And I go, what a tidy little industry you've got here. Yeah, I pick up all the country stars from the airport. Hey, you wouldn't like any moonshine, would you? (laughs) Really? You pick up the comedians and you're a dope dealer and that is so awesome. And then he started listing all of the famous comedians he had sold marijuana to in the last 24 hours. And believe me, it was an August list. One day, that list will be chiseled on a stela in the town square here, made out of onyx, and it'll have a raccoon fighting a glass squirrel at the top of it. And a beaver urinating into the water supply of Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, that happened. So, uh, I, it was awesome. And then he would pick you up and take you to gigs, right? Like, that was the best part. They'd pick you up at the crib, and they'd take you to the gig, and like, so sometimes I'd come out the crib and he'd be there and I'd get in the van with him and he'd, he'd like, what? <laughs> and his J's were, came in these extraordinary cardboard constructions that were like Escher made them or something. They were the most calculated, geometric, architectural, Buckminster Fuller fucking Frank Geary. You could have thrown one under a truck. A truck would have gone over it and it would have bounced up again and then <laughs> popped out fresh. You know what I mean? Like the construction of these things. I don't know what kind of math genius he was. I'm like, these are exquisite. He's like, well. <laughs> something of an alchemist. And uh, in any case, uh, yeah. On the way back to the airport, the last one that someone had given me, I blasted. And then I get in the van with him and he, of course, glurf. And I'm like, dude, I don't think I can. And I don't often say that. It's just that I don't want to eat every pancake in the Vancouver airport. Because I'm not going to eat one Timbit and go, those are good. 
I'm going to be standing at the front of the line at Timbits for the whole fucking time. Come on, move it. I'm not done deciding. I'm getting a, I'm getting a square gross. It's taking them a while to box them up. George Clooney has been uh, in British Columbia for the last couple of weeks, I know, with Hugh Laurie. They're making some picture. I don't know what it is, but what is it? Tomorrowland. Oh, but it's not about that place in Disneyland that used to be called Tomorrowland. Tomorrow, is it? Oh, it is. It's a, it's a sci-fi movie about Tomorrowland and Disneyland? Is it when you shrink down and is it that one? No. Does anyone know the bloody plot of this bloody movie? You know that much about it. How tantalizing. I was joking when I said that. I thought we'd already reached fucking rock bottom and shit. With Green Lantern 15 and fucking every video game. And the, didn't the last airbender put an end to sci-fi as we know it? No, I guess we're still going. All right, all right. I'm too cynical. So there's going to be a movie about a, a, an area in Disneyland. Tomorrowland was fun in the old days, and I'll tell you why. Because they used to let you smoke in Disneyland, and I used to smoke joints in the, uh, in the sky buckets and whatnot. They don't, those are gone. They're not there anymore. Those went from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland. But the Tomorrowland, yeah, indeed. Tomorrowland had a stage that the band came out of next to the hamburger stand. So there was a hamburger stand there that was called like the Astro Grill. And every burger was like the Space Burger. And then, yeah. And there was a really hokey ride called a trip to Voyage to the Moon when I was little. Then when we went to the moon, Voyage to Mars. They simply replaced some of the footage. You sat in a circle and the floor went down like this and this whole place shook and that was the whole ride. They ripped that fucker out. And then you'd eat to get a hamburger in the hamburger stand and a bad rock band would come up from the ground. So it had all this futuristic designs and shit and then you'd hear boom, 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 and then up they come. Oh, Susie Q. Oh, Susie Q. Oh, Susie Q, baby, I love you. It was hilarious. So my friend Forrest Brakeman, who you'll remember from previous stories on the show, and I took acid and went to Disneyland when we were teenagers. And we sat in the very front, and when the band came up, we, they were wearing fucking, this was 1978, they were wearing Kiana flyaway fucking collar shirts and vests and little chains and had chest hair and shit and bell-bottom pants and platform shoes and hair split down the middle that went like that, kind of, you know, the Jesse's girl feel of all time and shit. It was so fucking skyrockets and flight. It was so 70s. And they sang House on Pooh Corner by Loggins and Messina. And me and my friend Forrest, I just remember sitting up in the front, tripping my fucking balls off, smoking a cigarette. And when they came up, we burst out laughing and we never stopped laughing during their whole show. We were this close to getting fucking thrown out, I know. Because the guy kept... And when he sang... And to make it even worse, he had a round face and he thought he was cute. So this is how he sang House on Pooh Corner. And I want to live... On a house on Pucone. Like that. And at that point, I lost my shit entirely, right? I was just like, ah! Ah! And I have a horrible drug laugh that goes, <laughs> Like a real fun house laugh. <laughs> and this guy kept fucking. After, your mama don't dance and your daddy don't two fucking teenagers just laughing for an entire 40 minutes. 
crying, laughing, high five. Well, we didn't high five. We gave each other five in those days. We didn't get it up high yet. Uh, that was a goodie, Tomorrowland. But I saw that George Clooney was hanging out in bars. And of course he would. First of all, remember he had a Canadian girlfriend from Montreal and shit from that place called The Globe years ago. And then uh, he's always up in Canada. All, all Hollywood stars are always up in Canada and they always go to all the strip joints and shit. I don't think he was, but he was rolling at a bar. And what I saw was the pictures that he was taking with all the people. And it was all women. And all of their faces were so elated that it was like, he is like Santa Claus. He really is. <laughs> he's the Santa Claus of Planet Punani because he just walks... Amongst women, and estrogen flows like the Orinoco down to the fucking fertile sea. They're so happy to see him. He's like this in every picture. And they're all like, ah, like hysteria, hysteria. Fantastic. And good for him. He seems like a cool guy. Uh, this is what I got off Wikipedia. A common, but we're going to start the show now. A, a, a common belief. A common belief is that marijuana is legal in British Columbia. This is a myth. No, you know what a myth is? Una. Riding in her unicorn underwear. She came down the yellow mountain. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver's police and justice system tend to turn a blind eye to marijuana use. There's a generality <laughs> that I think some of you may have found to not be as true as it might be. Uh, currently under dispute by the Supreme Court. This is wiki, so it's probably highly inaccurate. I just thought that was hilarious, that it's a myth. It's a common belief that marijuana is legal in British Columbia. That is a myth. When we sit around the fire in Los Angeles... I will tell a story now. <laughs> I am the keeper of the sacred glass squirrel. It is said that there is a place above the 54th parallel. Sometimes the parallel fluctuates. Because of the latitude of the people. And it is in this sacred place that they say that the marijuana bud is not prosecuted by the authorities. And that those who wish may carry it and smoke it as they will and do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. I have heard this. I have heard that this is not true. This is a lie spread that those would defy the federal government. Really? Fuck Stephen Harper. Okay. I didn't... If you're going to, please do it safely. He'll come around. Don't you see that he's angry because a few years ago you guys tried to do the thing and then America freaked out on you and we wouldn't let you do it and then all of a sudden fucking Washington State's doing it, which is next door, and Obama's like, well, well fuck it. And now you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> on top of the fact that he's a poltroon. And what did he say the other day? Who told me? Uh, uh, yeah, Kyle. Uh, the Kyle. 
The Daryl, excuse me, forgive me. The Daryl Brown just told me outside that uh, Harper said, uh, drugs aren't illegal because they're illegal. Drugs are illegal because they're bad. Was that what it was? Or drugs, drugs aren't illegal because they're bad. Drugs are illegal because they're... Drugs aren't bad because they're illegal. Drugs are illegal. You know, I know this. Only users lose drugs. It's true. How many times have you gone, fuck, where did I put that? Fuck. And then, oh. It's in my pocket. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, it's also today... It's Jeremy Irons' birthday today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Though I I rarely get to British Columbia as often as I might. I know that drugs aren't illegal because they're bad. Drugs are illegal because they're naughty. My pants are full of drugs, if you'd like to examine me. In honor of Jeremy Irons' birthday, uh, a couple of lines from some of his movies that I find to be most amusing at all times. There's, uh, of course, Reversal of Fortune, which is one of his greatest roles and the one he won the Oscar for, where he plays uh, Klaus von Bülow, who uh, evidently uh, gave his wife an overdose of the drugs that she so often took. Uh, Sonny Von Bulo, and she ended up in a coma forever and ever and he got all of her money and one of the kids that was uh, one of her kids is, likes him and hangs out with him and the other hates him so you be the judge of what fucking happened the movie is a fantastically drawn movie by Barbette Schroeder and uh, he has his head shaved off in it a lot he's got kind of a weird comb over in it and he's playing a German on top of it like in Die Hard 3 but it's a different German accent and um, he uh, says to Ron Perlman who's his lawyer uh, Ron Perlman's like uh, why don't you tell me what happened? Ron Perlman. I got it wrong. It's, um, God damn, I think I said Ron Perlman. Ron Silver. Jesus Christ. What if Ron Perlman had been the lawyer? You need to tell me the truth, Klaus. No, it's Ron Silver. Ron Silver goes, good night, you guys. Ron Silver goes... Why don't you tell me what happened? And he goes, I don't know what happened, Alan. I don't know what happened. And he says, you're a very strange man. And he's sitting in the car in a half shadow and he can't see his face. And he leans out, Jeremy Irons, and he goes, you have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, Uki doesn't begin. He's the Ukiest, and that's why I love him. And then I was looking up another fucking awesome clip today and from The Lion King where he is Scar. And, uh... When he's got uh, the other lion on the cliff and he's throwing him off and, the, and then he goes, and now I'll tell you my secret. And then he fucking whispers it, which is the most horrible part. I killed Mustafa. <laughs> and you're like, this is a movie for kids. <laughs> you fucking dick. <laughs> you fucking killed Mustafa. <laughs> of course he did. He's Jeremy Irons. 
Now, in the last year, he hasn't distinguished himself. You've heard some of his public statements. There was the one about gay marriage that was just the most insupportable piece of bullshit that ever got fucking spoken. And then recently, he, t- he weighed in on, like, underage girls and shit. And he said that the girls who went to Top of the Pops and, you know, were molested or whatever, <laughs> those girls who went to that show, they were goers. I probably shouldn't have brought that up to keep the spirit of fun going. <laughs> Just know that he lives it to the fucking limit in Wranglers, okay? He fucking, he is the person he portrays in the movies, I believe, that, which is what makes him better than anything in the world. Um, there's, this is from a website that I got today. A guy named Ian said it to me. 33 of the most hilariously terrible first sentences in literature history. Every year, the announcement of the Burwar Lytton Prize is a gift from bad writing heaven, inspired by novelist and playwright Edward George Burwar Lytton's famous... Uh, the opening sentence was, it was a dark and stormy night, which, of course, Snoopy did for, well, Charles Schultz. That was Snoopy. Uh, the contest asked writers to submit, blah, 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 the worst of all possible novels. It's the opening sentence. Fifty Shades of Grey has already been written. <laughs> the results are perennially astounding, with entries in every genre, and one sentence awarded the dubious honor of the worst sentence. Here's some of the best entries from the past decade. So these are some of the worst ones. But to make them good, I would like to read them as Jeremy Irons, and here we go. By Ali Kawashimi. As the dark and mysterious stranger approached, Angela bit her lip anxiously, hoping with every nerve, cell, and fiber of her being that this would be the one man who would understand, who would take her away from all this... Who would not just squeeze her boob and make a loud honking noise? As all the others had. By Molly Ringel. For the first month of Ricardo and Felicity's affair, they greeted one another at every stolen rendezvous with a kiss. A lengthy, ravenous kiss. Ricardo lapping and sucking at Felicity's mouth as if she were a giant cage-mounted water bottle. And he were the world's thirstiest gerbil. That one is a cracker, isn't it? (laughs) David S. Nelson. The mushroom men of Narf were silently advancing on the unsuspecting earthlings, and their thin, milky blood ran colder when they smelled spores from the fungal toenail infections rising from many of the invaders' feet. For to them, it was a wondrous and shocking scent of kinship, homeland, and asexual reproduction. (laughs) I just snorked. Uh, Wow. Here's one. Uh, David Nelson. He swaggered into the room in which he was now the smartest guy with a certain Wikipedic insouciance. (laughs) And without skipping a beat, made a beeline towards Dorothy, 
bursting right past her knot of admirers, and she threw her arms around him and gave a passionate, though slightly tickly kiss, moaning softly, Oh, Scarecrow. <laughs> this one's better. <laughs> a couple more and then we'll go. She sipped her latte, Genie Villa, she sipped her latte gracefully, unaware of the milk foam droplets building on her mustache. <laughs> Which was not peachy fine baby fuzz that Nordic girls might have, but a really dense hirsute lip lining. <laughs> Row of fur common to southern Mediterranean ladies knitting menopause. And winked at the obviously charmed Spaniard at the next table. <laughs> mm, that, one's, that one's better. This, one, this will be the last one. Charles Holland. The professor looked down at his new young lover who rested fitfully, lashed as she was with duct tape to the side of his stolen hovercraft. Her head lolling gently in the breeze. And as they soared over the buildings of downtown St. Paul to his secret lair, St. Paul. <laughs> There's certain elements to bad writing that are key. <laughs> exactly. To his secret lair. He mused that she was much like a sweet, ripe, juicy peach, except for her not being a fuzzy three-inch sphere produced by a tree. <laughs> with pink blossoms, and that she had internal organs and could talk. <laughs> I lied. Dan Winters. Sex with Rachel after she turned 50 was like driving the last place team on the last day of the Iditarod dog sled race. <laughs> the point, no longer the ride, but the finish. The difficulty, not the speed, but keeping all the parts moving in the right direction. Not to mention all that irritating barking. I lied. This is the last one. Because this one has Canada written all over it. Number 30. First of all, the guy's name. Howie McLennan. Oh, Howie. No, he, he just lives down the road. He moved. He used to, he used to live uh, uh, you know, up north a little ways, but he moved. Before they met, his heart was a frozen block of ice, scarred by the skate blades of broken relationships. <laughs> then she came along, and like a beautiful Zamboni... flooded his heart with warmth, <laughs> scraped away the ugly, slushy bits, and dumped them in the empty parking lot of his soul. <laughs> That's enough of that. 
That's quite enough of that. Ha- happy birthday, Jeremy Irons. We-, we hope that you become a little more evolved as time moves on, but we still worship you and would hit you. Uh, if you want to write me, it's fanmail4greg at gmail.com. No, I haven't answered many emails lately, but I do read them, uh, and I sometimes try to answer. If you tweet me, I often try to tweet you back as well, so uh, uh, like that. I'm at Greg Proops on, on Twitter. Smartest at a special thing.com if you want to answer, ask a question of the show. We haven't done one in quite some time. Let's do one right now, and then we'll move on here. I have not looked at these. Here we go. Dear Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen asks, and by the way, Mary Ellen, you were my favorite on the Waltons. Thank you for the people who are old enough to remember that. And thank you for the courtesy laughter from those of you who just laugh now. <laughs> Grandfather? Yes, young Sprog? What were the Waltons? You must go to the lake and ask Una. <laughs> for she is the keeper of the ancient knowledge. I have heard that marijuana is legal in British Columbia. It is a myth! Banish that false notion from your head. It's but a fallacy. (laughs) Mary Ellen asks, Dear Mr. Proops, Yes, Mr. Ellen? If Alexander the Great were president of present... If Alexander the Great were president of present-day United States... Of the present day? Shouldn't there be a the? If Alexander the Great were president of present-day United States, comma, what policy changes would he enact? Well... We'd have already invaded and conquered Syria. (laughs) Let's just get that fucking straight right off the goddamn bat. Alexander's goal was to be king of Asia. So we would have taken over uh, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Iran. We would have already gone all the way to the Indus fucking river and uh, and then lost it after 10 years. That would be... I, I like that you think Alexander the Great had a policy. He thought he was the son of Zeus Amman. When you think you're the son of a god, policy is not the biggest thing on your mind, really. How about an overarching need to fucking dominate every place you go in an insane way and send the booty back home and give your troops untold fucking wealth and imbue an entire fucking Hellenistic system of Greek thought on the Asian cultures while absorbing the Asian cultures? And then by the end, Alexander was so fucking mad with power and having been on the road for 10 years and slaughtering people that he was wearing fucking... Iranian clothes at court. He wore the fucking clothes at the court of Babylonia and the Greeks were like because he was fruiting up on them and then he made all of the Macedonians marry a bunch of fucking Asians which they did and then when he died it was like we're from Europe and they're from there and they're evil because they're different. They're ancient ways. Yeah. But what he did do was make the two cultures meet, and he really did want a weird pan-Asiatic fucking Greek-Asian uh, uh, culture. Yes, there was genocide, but just, you know, skip over that part. <laughs> you know, like you do with America, and you let me give you jokes and stuff. <laughs> we all have to forgive each other our transgressions. That's the answer to that one. Uh, <laughs> moving on. We're playing in a... I answered one. There it was. We're at the Vancouver Fan Club tonight. I think you're aware of that. By the time this comes out, I think we'll still be there. The Comedy Bar in Toronto. We're, oh, we're cutting a swath through fucking Canada this year because I, I missed you all together last year. So we're coming back. I, in 2010, I think I did uh, Montreal and Toronto. But this year, we're doing both. So uh, we'll be at the Comedy Bar in Toronto on the 6th. On the 8th of uh, October, we'll be at the Underground in Toronto, which is um, uh, a very marijuana-oriented bar. 
I, I can't remember what their website is. It's like smoke a fucking fatty or something. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, then we'll be back. Uh, for someone who was asking me, we'll be back at the 16th of October at Bar Lubitsch in Los Angeles. You were asking me if I was there the 12th. You have to stay four more days. Um, it's free. It's free, that one. Then uh, the 14th of November, we'll be in Calgary at the Laugh Stop. Uh, then we'll be in Boston at uh, November 21st at a place called Laugh. And uh, this is what they name clubs. This is what I have to put up with in my fucking career. You know, jazz musicians played places called the Blue Note and the Bottom Line and the fucking Living End and shit like that. Comics have to play places called Grab Your Snuckies. It's just fucking, really? The Laugh Stop and then Laughs in one month? Why don't you just let people know what's going on at the club? My favorite one is in New Jersey. It's called the Stress Factory. Does it induce stress or alleviate stress? I don't even know what... That one is perplexing to me. The 30th of November, we'll be at the Bell House in Brooklyn, back in New York City. And as I said, we'll be on the road with the Who's Line guys all over Canada, at a Canadian near you, uh, and shit like that. So, having done all that, a couple of quickies, and then we'll get to the boring preachy part. Uh, this is from uh, the Globe and Mail. Uh, Coca-Cola canceled a Canadian promotion that paired randomly generated English and French words inside bottle caps after an Edmonton woman got one that said, you retard. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, who are listening in America and don't know that Ottawa is the capital and that Stephen Harper is the, uh, um, you know, uh, PM, it's the douchebag. I was, I was going to say the PM, but there you are. Uh, and that you have a groovy uh, tofu-making uh, uh, mayor here. Uh, Gregor, is it? I love it. Uh, that's fantastic. Blake Lotes. And this is the... I, I, if I was going to make up a name and I was in the Bulwer-Lytton uh, fiction writing contest, I don't think you can make up a better name than Blake Lotes. Blake Lotes... Said, have you ever met a woman named Blake Lotz before? That's just fucking outstanding. If she's not an author, she should be. And her book should be called The Mercy Series or something. I don't know. Blake Lotz said that she and her husband were eating at a restaurant in Edmonton earlier this week when her husband read the cap off his bottle of vitamin water. That's quite a fancy restaurant you're out there, Blake Lotz. <laughs> Really? They bring you the whole bottle of vitamin water to the table, do they? But I don't know what she sounds like, but here's what I think she sounds like. Well, both my husband and I were pretty shocked. We, we couldn't actually believe what we were seeing, Lotz said. We thought maybe it was a joke or that maybe a rogue employee got a hold of the lid machine and wrote it. Why would a rogue employee get a hold of the lid machine? What fucking cartoon series are you living in from the 70s where rogue employees have access to lid machines and write, you retard in the cap, and then go... (laughs) Boy, when they drink this later, are they going to be surprised? I'm sure it was printed in printing, but... uh, Lode said she found it particularly offensive because she has a younger sister who's developmentally delayed. So let me get this straight. That random fucking corporate piece of unbelievable malfeasance is an actual insult to you and your family. 
Wow, the universe really does deal in mysterious ways. Yeah, somebody, somebody in the back yelled out, lawsuit. That, that is so fucking funny, though, to take offense at you retard on a bottle cap. Hey, my sister's a retard. This isn't funny. Well, honey, maybe it was a rogue employee. You know, one who got a hold of the lid machine and wrote it. Anglophones use, would use the word and francophones would use the French one, she explained. Shannon Denny, director of brand communications. You know, I so want to be director of brand communications. I'm director of Proopcast brand communications. And I, yeah. Well, you're not doing a very fucking good job. Uh, I think I am, kittens. Um, this show's blown massive donkey dick all the way up till now. Maybe if you weren't outside getting high before the show, the show would be a little fucking funnier and you wouldn't tell a beaver fever story that fucked everyone off. Hey, why don't you just take fucking five? I think you'll find in Canada it's take zonk. Are you bilingual or just bi fucking kitty, okay? Oh, by the way, uh, if, we, if you go to gregproops.com, you can download the show for free at all times. It's always free. Uh, also, there's a few T-shirts left. There's a dude with a, a Kittens McTavish T-shirt in the back there. Thank you for buying that. Um, the T-shirts are available. Also, I did a comedy stand-up video on Chill, uh, and you can click on that and pre-order it. It's $4.99. I don't ask you for money uh, for the podcast ever. So if you want to buy the stand-up show, that would be nice of you if you did. Thank you very much. Here we go. Anglophones would use the words, some words that were on the list, such as the ones that we were contacted about, have a completely innocuous meaning in French and are used regularly within French conversations. For instance, retard. It doesn't mean retard. It means retard. It just means late. As in, je suis un retard. But when you look at that word from an English standpoint, it takes on a much different offensive meaning. Um, yeah, if you don't fucking speak French and don't realize you're in Canada where the other language is fucking French, then it takes on an offensive meaning. If you're a sentient human being, you realize that it was an honest mistake or at least a corporate fucking err, and in which case you fucking let that fucking shit go. How many times can you look at a shower cap and go, band a douche, <laughs> like that, okay? The French speak French. They don't even speak French. They speak Quebec fucking quoi. Jesus Christ. Denny said the complaint from Edmonton wasn't the only gap. One consumer contacted the company after finding a cap with the word douche printed on it. It's the French word for shower, Denny explained. Jesus fucking Christ. The company's apologized to Lotz and to her father, who Lotz said wrote the company to complain about the word on the bottle cap. But Lotz said her dad is having difficulty accepting it. I mean, how come it has to be on my cereal box, eh? <laughs> it said retard like French, but I know what they fucking meant. <laughs> I'm having difficulty accepting that there's another culture that's lived on this continent for 500 fucking years. <laughs> oh, my God. 
You've always resented the fact that they brought culture and food and shit. <laughs> if you consider poutine culture. And I do. I do. I will massacre a poutine. Uh, this one I thought was just fun. Jay-Z made an American festival uh, uh, featured stand-up performances. Uh, made in America is the name of Jay-Z's festival. From the likes of Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, Dead Mouse, Public Enemy, uh, ASAP Rocky, Nine Inch Nails, and more. In the wake of the fest, this is from the Huffington Post, you can tell by the writing. In, in the wake of the fest, you know, there's one thing a rock fest leaves is a wake. And we're all caught up in the fucking, whoa, oh my God, the waves, they're pouring over me because the wake of the fest. One band is speaking out, and this is the best part. Queen of the Stone Age frontman Josh Ami, and I know Josh Ami, and he's a, a man of infinite jest, ripped into Jay-Z during a Sunday radio interview with CBC Radio 2's Strombo show, calling Jay a kook, decrying extreme security practices and accusing the rapper of only giving the group champagne for the foot off. And this is what Josh Ami said. He has his security frisking the bands on the way in. Well, I just told them, if you open up my bag, I'm not playing, so I guess it's up to you whether we're playing or not. The idea that they first all my guys means you're in some different place. No one has ever done that to me. Intense security was the only, wasn't hardly the only thing that rubbed Om the wrong way. He also gave us some champagne and wanted us to take a photo with it. And I thought, that's not a gift, that's a marketing tool. So I destroyed it. I love, I didn't throw it away or pour it out. I destroyed it. Like Godzilla. Ah. Because I thought it was rude overall. You shouldn't frisk my guys. You should fuck off. That's what he said. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I, I find that Jay-Z, if you like Jay-Z, write on, do what you do. Um, I find him to be an unbelievable fucking corporate drone. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Uh, I just didn't really... I get that. There was a lease here. Here we go. At press time, Jay-Z had yet to address the... The rocker's remarks stand out because much of the entertainment community is wary of criticizing Jay, perhaps given his place in the industry's food chain. When Jay Farrow brought his Jay-Z impression to the ESPN's ESPY Awards, pans to the audience revealed plenty of famous faces that seemed determined not to be caught out laughing at the Tom Ford rapper. Uh, Jay most recently Do we have to say Jay? Uh, Surfaced on the leaked version of Drake's Pound Cake Paris Morton Music 2 Where he boasts about having an all black Maybach With insides wider than Katy Perry's faces Mm. That's down by law Um, I found that when uh, The last album and the last video And the last everything was released Simultaneously with a phone And that somehow that was supposed to be fucking down by law Now that we know that the American government and the Canadian government are tapping every single fucking email and phone call that you make. Giving someone a phone isn't the most freedom-busting fucking move that I can possibly think of at this point. So, whatever. Do what you do. I don't deny anyone a living. I just say that some people are more commercial than other fucking people. And as Bill Hicks once said, if you're in the advertising business, kill yourself. No, I'm serious. Kill yourself. No, I'm serious. Kill yourself. No, I'm serious. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. No, I'm serious. Kill yourself. Greg, didn't you just try to get us to buy a T-shirt off your website? Uh, yeah. But my show's free to download every week for everyone all over the world that has a computer or a phone. All right, I grant you that. The cast of Slumdog Millionaire is not downloading my fucking show as much as they might. Well, that really harshed everyone's mail. Here we go. This is from straight.com. Uh, this morning, or actually it started a couple days ago, uh, this is the week of reconciliation in Vancouver with the First Nations, right? It's called Reconciliation Week. 
It's the event taking place around Vancouver. Really, we're booing? Is it, is it bad? It's bad to reconcile with the First Nations? Yeah, no, I'm getting to that part. Jesus Christ, do you guys think I don't read the whole paper? People are booing and shit. It's sponsored by an oil company. I f- I'm hip to the jive, you guys. Let me, let me get through the first part and make my point, and then we'll get to the fucking part where you want to boo and shit. Sorry. I know. You're sorry. It's okay. It's all right. Don't be sorry. No more apologizing. We're all cool. Everybody's cool. All I was going to say was, at least you make the effort, whether it's sponsored by a petrol company or not, to have a reconciliation week with the First Nations of your country. Now, having treated uh, the First Nations in uh, British Columbia, uh, much like they did the Aborigines of Australia, and rip them from their homes and teach them to be white people and fucking diminish them and destroy their fucking lives and rip their families apart for a zillion years, it's the least you can do. In America, we never have Reconciliation Day because we don't fucking reconcile. It's our way or the motherfucking highway. That's how it goes in America. We're never going to have Iraqi Reconciliation Day. We're never going to have Vietnamese Reconciliation Day. We're never going to have Afghani Reconciliation Day in America. If you come to America, you're welcome to do two things. Assimilate and shut the fuck up. (laughs) That's what you're fucking welcome to do. I, don't, I think it's uh, interesting that you call them First Nations, and I think it's a very interesting semantic and Canadian semantic choice. Of course, in America, we call them by the horrible, horrible uh, moniker of Native Americans. And I agree with um, George Carlin, who said, that's a terrible thing to lay on people who were here before they were Americans. <laughs> How did... Calling them Native Americans presumes that there was the nation of the United States when they lived there, and there wasn't. Before 1492, you'll find there was millions, tens of millions of fucking Indians all over this continent. More, hundreds of millions. And hundreds of millions, easily. Because we wiped them... uh, When I say we, I mean white people. When I say white people, I mean Spanish people. When I say Spanish people, I mean the kind who have a giant mustache and look at you when you're magical in the corner. When the Spanish got to the New World, they created insane plague. And more than that, they brought pigs with them and they lived with the pigs. Indians were not immune to pig-borne illness because they hadn't fucking seen a pig before. And so they all croaked. And when the uh, Spanish came back 20 or 30 years later, because they initially went to Florida and whatnot, when they came back, uh, easily a quarter of the fucking population uh, of the continent was wiped out uh, by different pig-borne illnesses. And we always accuse the Indians of giving Europeans syphilis. And that is such a fucking nasty-ass charge to lay on the fucking Indians. Fuck you, Europe. You had a spirochete burring through your fucking eyeball when you were Henry VIII and shit. You didn't need a fucking explorer to go over. In any case, the four-day exhibition begins tomorrow. There's a survivor's walk, a sacred fire site. The lighting of the sacred fire happens before we begin each national event to ensure the spirits and the teachings... God, protect us while the commission does its work. Following the walk, and then uh, Sunday, which isn't yet here, but will be passed by the time this is read, um, there's a walk that begins at Queen Elizabeth Plaza. And even for you cynics who have booed this Reconciliation Week, I want you to know the event is scheduled at 9 a.m. and will be preceded by a keynote speech by Martin Luther King's daughter, who's also a reverend and a doctor, and she'll be there as well. And she just spoke at the 50th anniversary uh, of the March on Washington for Jobs and Peace. And... It's a, bu- it's a brilliant chance, if nothing else, uh, to see her and enjoy some good vibrations and shit like that. Now, getting to the point, rabble.ca. Uh, this is an Indian site, and it's called rabble.ca. 
It's not uh, First Nations side. I much prefer Indians, as George Carlin said. It means with God, Indios. It's not widely known or reported that the TRC's BC event is sponsored by none other than American energy company Kinder Morgan. Um, Kinder Morgan is an American energy company based in Texas seeking to build a new tar sands pipeline from Calgary to Vancouver to ship tar sands oil to China, directly putting rivers, waters, and our way of life at extreme risk. They currently own and operate a pipeline port built in 52, primarily for domestic consumption. The new pipe... We're in the boring preachy part if no one's gathered that pipeline. <laughs> will be used exclusively for international export. To be more specific, Kinder Morgan's pipeline is seeking to carry 800 blah, 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 uh, nearly 800 kilometers of BC and Alberta. Um, and they're going to way, way, TransCanada is the other sponsor. And they're the energy company that seeks to build the Keystone XL pipeline, which we talked about on our Omaha Proofcast earlier, uh, earlier in the year. The um, Keystone XL pipeline is a, is a grave error. But as you know, in the United States, Corporations are never held to account for anything. British Petroleum gets away with murder. Shearson Lehman gets away with murder. Bank of America, any company that you want to name. Uh, individuals, like I read before about how Vancouver, the police turn a blind eye most of the time. Some of you have probably done a little time or had a little fucking trouble with the cops over various issues. Yeah, that's because you're not an oil company or a bank. You can't steal the amount of money that they do because they get off Scott motherfucking free. That's how it works. If you proposed to build a giant pipeline across your neighborhood and transport toxic material from one area of your neighborhood to the other, I guarantee you there would be some shit. You would not be allowed to do that. Um, the Keystone XL pipeline goes from Alberta to the Gulf Coast. That's directly across the heartland of the United States. And is going to run across un, uh, a prairie and, and, and other types of terrain that can't be replaced, that won't be fixed. And... If you've noticed in the last few years, aside from Brazil and, of course, the Gulf spill and the other spills, the mad spills, the insanely tragic accident that took place with the oil cars up here, there is no fucking oversight over these oil companies. They do whatever they want. When shit happens, they go, it was an accident. And they never look after themselves, and they don't fucking pay the fines, and people die, and their lives are destroyed, and it's fucking disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. Do I blame... Do I blame the First Nations for taking their money for putting this on? No. It's somehow they had to take it. I don't know what fucking deals TRC is making with them and shit like that. I don't know the complexities of the politics that go along with it. But know that First Nations people are acknowledging on their own websites about what's going on there. Uh, the pipelines face huge opposition from indigenous peoples along its route, along with environmentalists and many other, let's just say who, sane people, uh, concerned Canadians... No, no, we need more oil all the fucking time. No, we need to not have more oil all the time. How about some alternative fucking uh, energy sources that we could spend that money on? There's endless money to subsidize oil, and there's endless money to subsidize the military all the time. But when you need health care, or when you need a bridge built, or when you need a fucking dam that doesn't fucking fall down overnight, there is no money for that. Ever, 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 ever. In Canada... You know, you managed to stave off the banking crisis because you kept some fucking sense of oversight over these people. However, and we're getting to the Harper administration. The Harper administration isn't the brightest bunch of fucking kittens in the kitten house. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This is from the Vancouver Sun. Now we're going to skip that story. We've already made a horrible riff about it. This is the whole rape chant that went on at the University of BC and shit like that. You know what? 
it's one of those things. That, obviously, it's fucking heinous beyond measure, and they need to rectify that shit. But also, they are drunk fucking college kids being douchebags on their own and shit. At a certain, I'm not defending it at all. I'm just saying, you know, come on. Uh, this is my favorite line in the whole article. Um, Choup said the underage drinking and sexualized activities are issues of great concern. Um, that's why I went to college. For underage drinking and sexualized activities. I did not do a rape chant when I was in college because I'm not a fucking douchebag. This is from uh, a, a, a site called Dsmog uh, Canada or, or Dsmog Dot C-A. I, I have to admit this article is a, a, a couple of months old, but some of the points in it are still valid, and I wanted to rock through them here if we could. Um, the oligarchy on Parliament Hill has spoken. The next phase of operation, the slow and painful death of freedom in Canada, is an all-out war on critical thought. For no more in Canada a place to irreverently commit sociology or disrespectfully engage in academic pondering. Um, the reason why commit sociology is in there, for those of you listening out in Proofcast land, is the prime minister of this country at one point when addressing a problem said, I don't want to commit sociology, uh, which is almost, almost Bushian in its, in, its, in its unbelievable ignoramiousnessness. Uh, the root, uh, here we are. It's best to ignore frivolous problems, blah, 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 like increased inequality, aberrant Aboriginal conditions and unflinching gender gaps. After all, quote, the root cause of terrorism is terrorists. Now, I suggest you go on dsmog.ca because all of these quotes, you can go to the links and find out which cabinet minister said that. I believe that was Peter, Pe how do you say his name? It wasn't a cabinet minister, it was him. He was an MP. Well, how do you say his name? Yeah, Peter Panashaway. That's how you say his name. Thank you. I knew it was Peter. It was the last name I knew I was never going to get. He's the one who said, the root cause of terrorism is terrorists. <laughs> you know, the root cause of beavers <laughs> is damn. <laughs> the root cause of pollution is the environment, unemployment, that's unemployees, Drug abuse, the abuse of drugs, and gun violence. Well, it's all those violent guns we've got. Uh, according to Dear Leader Harper, we know what Canadians want. Um, blah, 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 blah. Speaking of the oblivious, Inter-Foreign Administ uh, Affairs Minister John Baird. Um, la, 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 la. Let me go here. Mini Citizenship, Immigration, and Multiculturalism Minister Jason Kenney continues to nourish a deep-rooted yet widely ignored undercurrent of racism in Canadian society by abolishing all but the most basic health care for refugee groups and using taxpayer dollars to fund official government billboards in Hungarian cities, warning prospective Roma asylum seekers they'll be swiftly deported from Canada. It's awesome that you can spend money putting up billboards in Europe so that the gypsies won't come here. Um, I think it's fantastic because it's really preemptive, isn't it? Uh, let's see here. The Harper government must believe... No, 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 no. This ultimate, by callously stifling the research of our scientists, forcefully restricting our ability to assemble. Uh, you may remember what happened in Montreal earlier this year when the cops went fucking bananas because a local ordinance that prevents people from organizing anymore. And believe you me, we have this in the United States to the maximum power. The First Amendment says the right of the people to peaceably assemble and, re and petition the government for redress of grievances shall not be infringed, right? 
we have free speech zones. Now you have to get permits to go here, or you can't do it after dark. You can't be near the White House. That is not a free and open society. You need to be able to protest when you want, where you want, as long as it's nonviolent. I think you should. Yeah, fucking A, man. And when the cops come out and start beating on people and shit, the rule in Montreal was you weren't supposed to wear masks or be hooded in any way because uh, somehow that made you a terrorist and shit. And as we know, terrorism is caused by terrorists. <laughs> Callously stifling, uh, ominously redrafting our national history to reflect the images of a conservative polity. Boy, does that sound familiar. And sloppily framing critical and analytical musings by concerned citizens. Uh, uh, patronizing committing, committing sociology. Uh, and in treating critical thinking as indulgence, something that a good government has no time for because they're too busy governing, Harper is trying to enshrine a notion of his parties, the so-called defenders of what he believes to be the average Canadian who uphold the status quo without asking too many tough questions. We get this in America all the time. Now, critical thinking is imperative that society move forward. Without analytical and critical thinking, we cannot discuss things intelligently. If I disagree with you on an issue, I don't want to shoot you, and I don't want to fight you, and I don't want you to fucking come to my house and dump a fucking ton of manure on my yard and shit. What I want is an intelligent discourse between us until we can find some common ground. What I don't want is defense of the corporations and fucking defense of the military-industrial complex and fucking defense of fucking banks and oil companies at the expense of everyone's fucking rights and the fact that if anyone tries to assemble and say anything in these goddamn fucking countries, that the government comes down like a fucking ton of bricks and then labels you as a fucking seditious person who's not patriotic and shit like that. I won't fucking have it and it's nonsense. It's absolute fucking nonsense and it happens all the time. If there's one thing the government is afraid of more than anything else, it's the free and undiluted expression of its citizens because we say things they don't like, like we shouldn't have a pipeline or marijuana should be legal, or women should have rights that are untrammeled without fucking conservative MPs trying to restrict. Because Canada has abortion, and Canada has gay marriage, and Canada is so... Your conservatives are like fucking left-wingers in my country. So I know from once I speak, but this is all very odious. Um... In, uh, an open letter from dozens of Canadian academics indicates we need to be questioning and thinking critically now more than ever in doing show, yeah, blah, blah, blah. In any case, uh, I, I send you to that website if you want to read it. It's got a lot of good stuff. It's called, I'll send it to you again, that's dsmog Canada, uh, dsmog.ca. Um, one, uh, one eulogy and then we'll, we'll move on to the questions and then we'll uh, fuck off into that good night. Um, a, a prize fighter passed away this week who was a prize fighter of my youth who I watched many times on television, and he was an absolute fucking monster. Not like George Foreman, not a big mean dude, and not like Joe Frazier, because Joe Frazier had that, um, that kind of leg breaker, uh, you know, uh, 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 Sonny Liston kind of thing going. Yeah, I'm talking about fucking Ken Norton, who was the most ripped and fucking tremendous athlete. Ken Norton was in the Marines. Uh, Ken Norton fought Ali a couple times. The first time, he broke Muhammad Ali's jaw. And, yeah, it was a fucking amazing fight and unbelievably violent. And uh, then they met again at the last time in 76 at Yankee Stadium. Ali won a controversial decision, as, as the BBC put it here. It was hotly fucking contested. Ali might not have won that fucking fight. 
Ali was in his 30s then, and Norton was in his 20s. And Ali, just to put the world in perspective for you, there was going to be black rights, there was going to be First Nation rights, there was women's liberation, there was a, a gay movement. Believe me, at the early 70s and mid-70s were a groovy, groovy time, and don't let anyone fucking tell you different. Don't let anyone tell you... I know Pierre Trudeau was fucking <laughs> PM and shit, and that's when shit was fucking wild in Canada. But what I'm going to say is this. In America, we're always hearing Reagan was the greatest president and it was a Reagan revolution and shit like that. Reagan refused to believe that AIDS existed, okay? Reagan waged an illegal war in Latin America using coke and fucking drug money and drug running and gun running. Reagan did a lot of transgressive bullshit, and almost everyone in his administration had to leave under a cloud. I'm talking about upwards of 300 people were indicted or or fucking resigned or left, okay? So I don't want to hear that he was this avuncular nice person. He wasn't. He was not a nice person. I know you know, but I'm talking to Americans. Ken Norton was a bad asador, and he is in heaven tonight. And w- up, uh, up in heaven, uh, in the heavens with Joe Frazier, forming a constellation of the two fucking boxsters wrangling with each other and shit, man. You did not want to stand in a fucking ring with Ken Norton because he was lightning fast and sexy as a fucking whip. He is eternal, and prize fighting, ladies and gentlemen, is the hardest of all fucking sports. No one from a rich family becomes a prize fighter. Let me put it that way. So there's that shit. Let's do some questions and then we'll fuck off into this good night. I see people queuing up already. Hey, baby. What's your name? My name's Adrian. Thank you, Greg. Here, here. Yeah, there we go. Want to go? Ira, can you hear him? No? All right, go ahead. What's your name, brother? Adrian. Hi, Adrian. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi. Long time listener, first time talker. <laughs> Thank you, man. I just wanted to know in this prismatic society where everyone's being observed, uh, we all have some medical conditions. We might like to get some prescriptions from you know, some social places besides just our pizza friends that come to deliver at the house. Dig. Now, I was wondering would you potentially. If you had a potential subscription, would you want to register or would you say maybe wait and keep on the D-Lo for a while? I keep on the D-Lo myself, but that's me. I think that you can probably register if you want and be safe, but uh, I, uh, I, do, I roll old school. I don't like my name on too many fucking lists. I already got my name on a list. Uh, listen, I just had my passport redone and had two giant amendments put in because I know I'm traveling a lot coming up. And I got it back in a week and I was like, Whew. Thank God no one in the federal government has ever downloaded a podcast. <laughs> yes, young man. Thank you, Adrian. What's your name? Hello, Mr. Bruce. My name is Dylan. Hi, Dylan. They say behind every great man, there's a great woman. Oh, yes. And I wish you could opine upon your wife, Jennifer. Well, uh, I, what can I say? She's changed my life. She's taught me everything about myself. I think that... In the end, it's important that you understand that, uh, not just in the cliche way, that your, uh, your, your ego is not as important as you think it is when you're a man. Uh, that there's a lot of concessions you should be making that you aren't making. And a lot of times you could be more considerate when you're not even fucking thinking about that because you're thinking about yourself all the goddamn time. That I had never been aware of. Two, um, the way she expanded my mind and just a general sensitivity of like, uh, all these issues and areas uh, of politics, of art, of literature, of um, philosophy... Um, I don't think anyone's ever had a bigger influence in my life, including my parents, and thank God. Um, I don't think... 
I don't think my parents' philosophy and, and their uh, uh, catholicity of taste and breadth of scope of knowledge and art and literature and history and whatnot could be as comprehensive as my wife. On top of the fact that I think that really, and this is going to sound super cornball and shit, and I know that people are going to fucking want to throw me in a ditch and fucking leave me on the side of the road, but this, the, the, the sincere love of one other person in this world is the most you can hope for to connect with another human as a human. We all have friends and we all want to be friends with everyone and I love all you guys and I've enjoyed meeting everyone here tonight and believe me, as I've said so many times on the show, this means more to me than anything. But really, if I didn't have my wife, she pushed me to do this and when I started doing it, she's the one who said, this is what you should do. So know that about her, that, that she's that perceptive that I was like, I think I'm boring and she's like, no, you should fucking do this. It's funny and, and it's good. So... Uh, that's my opinion on my wife. Uh, she's indispensable in my life. I, and and I, I detest movies and fiction where uh, wives get killed and women are killed on TV. I really, really hate them. And I never understand why that's such a popular thing on television where women are always being tortured and killed on tables or, or, and that, that psycho killers are heroes and shit. Psycho killers are animals that deserve your fucking absolute disgust and revulsion. And that's all they deserve in my opinion. I don't see why people fantasize about them and make it funny. I like murder too and shit. I watch Dexter and shit like that. But I mean, I just... I really, really hate that as a topic for, uh, like, Silence of the Lambs and stuff. I got it and shit like that, but it was like, that's gross. That's gross. I don't see why that's entertainment. I really don't. I mean, I was saying that the kids of BC should be let off for doing a rape chat, and here I am saying that there should be no fucking movies about, but I believe that. I really do. I, I just feel like it... Violence against people is a truth because it's a reality and we can't escape it and it's what the world is. We all wish the world was nonviolent, but we're not wired that way. Obviously, if we were, the world would be a little less fucking violent. Does the government and does the corporations and does the system that we live in help? No, it fucking doesn't. It, 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 it promulgates, it propagates, it, it encourages uh, all sorts of petty violence uh, on a psychological level and a mental level and a physical level. But... Uh, I really don't like entertainment that, that includes um, women being fucked with. I, I just don't. It, it always grosses me out. If it makes me a priss, so be it. That's not to say I don't like violence. I'll watch Die Hard 3 a thousand fucking times. But I like Alien, right? Because fucking Lieutenant Ripley is the fucking bad Asador of all time and stuff. Or the Terminator, because Linda Hamilton, and you know, there you are. All right. Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, it's Peaver. Hi, Mr. Peaver. <laughs> hey, um, so is, Kit, is Kittens McTavish a virgin? You know, you'd have to ask Kittens. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you get out of my fucking pants? <laughs> I'm a virgin in some ways. Like, for instance, I've never fucked you over. <laughs> no, I... Th I Kittens McTavish has changed gender so many times, and I've had so much... Con uh, I have an insane lack of control over uh, a kittens. Uh, I, I don't know that I'd say a virgin, because that seems to be kind of embarrassing for shit. God, that answer went in the fucking hole. Thank you. You teed me up, and I just fucking chewed it, bro. What can I tell you, man? Yes, sir. Yeah, we will. We'll get there. Hi there, Greg. My name hey. is Andrew, and I'm a huge fan of the country and western music, and I was curious if you could feel the baseball being in the country. Oh, golly. Oh, no. uh, someone went, oh, no. <laughs> it won't be that bad. There's not going to be a lot of modern country stars. Uh, 
Let's see, pitching is Hank Williams because he invented everything. My cocking pen has stopped. Here we go. Get another pen. Uh, on the mound, Hank Williams. I'm going to have uh, behind the plate uh, Buck Owens. And first place, because he can hold it down, Johnny Cash. Second base, one of the great singer-songwriters of our time, Loretta Lynn. A shortstop, because she can handle balls and she can fucking handle pills. The tiny white things that come at you have to be grabbed and picked up and thrown to first. Tell me why not. Because we're in Canada, she's going to hold down the hot corner, Katie Lang. Let's see, who are we going to put in the outfield? Here we go. I'm going to have Merle Haggard in left field. Fucking A. In center field, we're going to have Hank Snow. And let's see, out in right field, uh, just for the fuck of it, and I have no reason for this at all, the Judds. <laughs> yeah, you fucking heard me. Managing the team, Eddie Arnold. Thank you, someone went, Nice. And running the concessions, Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> Before he turned into the biggest right-wing douchebag Sarah Palin supporter that ever fucking made it. I have tell me why now was it short, god damn it. Sometimes it's hard to be a shortstop. Gathering up all your balls for just one man. Uh, all right, moving on. Yes, my darling. Moving on. We got pushed to the front because we're ladies. What's your name, my darling? Uh, so anyway, I've never met this woman before, but she has a baseball question for you. Go on. Oh, all, all Canadian. We just did a baseball team two seconds ago. I know, I know. That's why I didn't want to go. And all... Uh, all My other question was, do you have any tattoos? No, I don't have any tattoos. No piercings, no tattoos. And let me tell you something. Uh, I know Jim Rose from the Jim Rose Circus. Him and Trent Reznor are buddies, and they laugh because neither of them has any piercings or tattoos. If you have them, I think it's awesome. I don't judge, but I'm just saying I don't have any piercings or tattoos. Yeah. I'm going to come back to your all-Canadian baseball team here in one second. But first, we're going to take another question, and then I'll come back to that, and I promise to do it. Over to me. Because I'm like that. So, um, I'm a teacher. Yes, what's your name, darling? I already um, kind of figured out what kind of report card I would write for you. I'm just wondering what kind of comments you got from your teachers. Let's not break apart, you guys. We're only going to do this for a couple more minutes. We'll be there. Yes, go on. So, what kind of comments did you get from your teachers? Cannot control himself. <laughs> the comments I got from my teachers from basically from 6 to like 15 were like, Greg cannot control himself, will not shut up in class. Uh, I got a D or a, a 3 in self-control at one point. 
Um, early on, it was a lot of chewing and fucking crying and spewing and shit like that. Then later on, it was just incessant fucking talking and, and making fun of the teacher behind them and acting out the stories when they'd read Wrinkle in Time and shit like that and sitting outside a lot, which I didn't mind because I thought a lot of the classmates were stupid. a lot of students yeah, I mean, you know, school's not for everyone. No, it's not. I had some brilliant teachers. I'll never forget Mr. Haggard, and I'll never forget uh, Mr. Clark, and uh, uh, I, I had a couple of teachers that are, were unforgettable, Mr. Tyrrell, but uh, uh, I had some teachers that I, I still detest to this day. And, and, by the way, they detested me. There's now, you know, the whole idea that uh, children and adults have this unbelievable symbiotic love relationship and that every adult you meet treats you with respect and fucking care is fucking nonsense. There's adults when you're little who fucking openly hate you and let you know it. And you openly hate them. And that's what fucking life is like and shit. So that's pretty... Was that your question? (laughs) I don't don't know. It's turned into something else. But yeah. As most things do. (laughs) Thank you, my precious love. Uh, at, behind the plate. Behind the plate uh, for my all-Canada team here. Uh, William Shatner. Man, who pitches on the all-Canada team? That's such a toughie. How about the most fucking courageous and right on, Michael J. Fox at the mound? Uh, What was it, baby? Parge Mardenau? What'd you say? Oh, Mar- yeah, Margaret Atwood. Yeah, I'll go. You know, I've only done two positions on the team so far. The girl in the front went, Margaret Atwood, where's she? For all we know, she's writing a series of books about this team right now. And an epic poem about how the fucking first game ends and shit. All right, I'm going to make Margaret Atwood the manager. Because she knows how to fill out a lineup card and shit. Well, if we're going to have Margaret Atwood managing, then I'm going to put Mordecai Rickler at third. How's that fucking happen? <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> Justin Bieber's where he always is, pleasuring the boys in the dugout. With his singing and dancing. <laughs> Let's take another question here. Hi, Greg. Hi, Greg, too. Hi. Uh, Hi, Greg, too. Thank you for a splendid evening. Uh, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, the United States of America, uh, along with Great Britain and I think some obscure South Pacific nations invaded Iraq. And uh, Canada was invited to the party. And our then Prime Minister, John Kakian, said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. With the intelligence and decided it was bullshit. Who was PM then? Hmm? Uh, was it Chrétien? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't go for it. He didn't buy it. Um, uh, he didn't buy it. Uh, and, and yet you came to Afghanistan and built a Timmy's in Kandahar. He said we, he said we go into Afghanistan, but not into Iraq. Yeah. Because yeah, that's where the terrorists were. Yeah. from a guy named Stephen Harper, who at the time was an obscure politician in Alberta, well, relatively obscure, 
And he sent an open letter to several American newspapers apologizing on behalf of our entire country for not engaging in this sort of aerial incineration of tens of thousands of innocent uh, Baghdadis and Fallujahs and so forth. And so um, the question is apropos of your previous comments this evening. Um, I think it was uh, fuck Stephen Harper. Uh, do you think his political assassination ever justified? Was what? Political assassination ever justified? Oh, no. I, I can't get down any kind of uh, assassinations of any kind. I think some people should take their own lives. Not Stephen Harper, necessarily. He's not even in the top five of my list. Um, I mean, that's a very delicate situation there. I don't want to get to the point where I'm saying people should be killed because I don't think that's a very positive outlook to have on life. Um, I wouldn't want my family killed by forces that could kill them, so I, I wouldn't want Stephen Harper assassinated in any way or any political figure. I've decried on this show the... Yeah, even if I was, and I'll tell you why. Because um, we assassinated by proxy Saddam Hussein and we assassinated um, Muammar Gaddafi by proxy instead of trying them. There's a thing called justice and there's a thing called civilization. An assassination is not a civilized part. It's as much a terror as bombing a country, uh, a sovereign nation like we did in Iraq. I think that the acts are different degrees of evil, but they're the same Venn diagram of evil. And I believe that you mustn't ever uh, go down that path because it only begats more evil. When you answer someone's sin with a bigger sin, their sin is never recognized, only your sin. Stephen Harper might be a ding-dong and an asshole and lots of other bad things, and he might not have everyone's best interest in mind. I, I, I of course, always harken back to Dick Cheney, who I really can't forgive ever any for, in my heart for the rest of my life for what I perceive he did to my country and the entire world. Um, do I wish he was not around? Sometimes, when he dies, will I fucking cry and shit? Probably not as much as I might. But that's as far as I'm willing to go with that one. Uh, Noam Chomsky has defined the different kinds of terrorism. And there's terror that's performed by people like a bomb goes off in a train station. There's also state-run terror, which is when governments fucking kill people. And then there's, ma there's many different kinds. And one of the worst kinds of terror is assassination because it's irrevocable. And when I think about the people that were assassinated like... Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or whoever you can think of, uh, uh, you, you can't get them back. It's like the death penalty. When you kill someone, you can't find out anything more about their crimes. It's not a penalty. It's the end. And, um, and everyone's left holding the bag emotionally. And that, that's my objection to anything like that. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. I'm taking Mordecai Rickler off third. <laughs> no, I'm putting... Who? Terry who? Oh, Terry Fox, you say? Oh, okay. Let, uh, yeah, I know, I know who he is. I, I was, I was going to put uh, Coco LeBoy at third because he was the original third baseman for the fucking Montreal Expos and shit. All right, I got some backup. I'm going to put Coco Le the boy at DH then. Who? You can't all yell at once because I can't fucking hear you all at once. 
Easy with the aggression. Arnie Nolan? Will someone spell it? Who the cock is that? I'm not, I'm only an honorary Canadian. Is this, yeah, I'm the smartest man in the world. I'm putting fucking Colin Mockray in center. How's that fucking grab you? Hey, do you know who Joseph McNamara is? Oh, aren't you the loudest Canadian in the fucking room? Yelling shit at me, Farley Mowat? I'm sorry, I don't know who fucking Farley Mowat is. Jesus fucking Christ. Really? You yell out at you the smartest man in the room? No, the world. Oh, you said the world. Sorry. Now, just for that, Rusty Staub's going in right. Fuck it, I'm putting everyone... And then I'm going to put Andre Dawson in left, just because. Yeah, you fucking heard me. Who? We, we have three third basemen. This Canadian team's a shambles because you can't agree on anything. You're like herding beaver. One more, maybe. Then we'll, there, oh, you're crouching. Jesus Christ. I know. Hi, Greg. I adjudicate all cases. Hi. What's your Hi, name? how are you? Good. Uh, sorry, I put my back out painting this morning. Just don't cut your ear off, bro, Ham. Starry, starry night. This is my question. At long last. Wait, you never asked me my name. What's your name? My name's Travis. I don't think so. Um, do you mind if I call you Farley Moa? I'd be honored. Thank you. Yes, Farley. Cheers. My question is this. If you were a tree, what kind of bird would you want hanging out inside you? A wise white owl named Una. Yes! This has been the smartest man in the world. You're the smartest crowd in the world. My name is Greg Proops. Thank you very much for coming out tonight, Vancouver. This has meant the world to me. Every page that you turn to the satchel page, and every bell that rings through the pool, Papa Bell, and his goodbye bonds, make sure they hear about it.